I would invite you now to open up your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. We are in a sermon series called Draw Near. Draw Near. Draw Near to God and draw near to each other. We have a few more weeks in this series. And most weeks of this series, we've read the entire paragraph. But today, I'm only going to read the part of the scripture that I'm going to preach from this passage. It's verse 25, and it's just the first half of verse 25. This is the word of God. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, the words I have just read are no words of mere men. They are the very words of God, inspired by your Holy Spirit and given to your church for the good of your children and for the glory of your name. Speak to us now, each one of us individually whether we are here in the room or on the live stream. Speak to us, Lord, through the power of your Spirit that each one of us would walk away from this sermon with a thing that we need to hear. And we love you, Lord, only because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. Three points this morning. What is the command that the author of the book of Hebrews gives us here in chapter 12, verse 25. Why do we come to church? And finally, how can we apply this command to ourselves today? First of all, what is the command? I wish we knew why exactly the author of the book of Hebrews wrote this. We don't know exactly why, but everything from the book seems to indicate that there are many people, perhaps a majority, perhaps not, in this church who are thinking about quitting the faith. They're thinking about walking away. They were Jews. They came to know Jesus as the promised Messiah of the Jewish people. And yet now that life has happened... Who knows, maybe it was a global pandemic, maybe it was persecution, maybe life just got really, really busy, but some of them are thinking about quitting the faith. They're thinking about walking away. And so in response to that, we get the first 12 chapters of theology mostly. This is who Jesus is. This is the one you've believed in. This is why he's better than everything else. And then starting in verse 19, this paragraph, we start to get to the practicals. And here in our passage, we come to this phrase, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. First of all, neglecting. That means to treat something as not important. So there were some in this congregation probably a very small congregation. None of this stuff that we have here, this amazing screen, this gorgeous sanctuary, the staff we have here at the church, they didn't have any of that. Maybe 50, maybe 100 people meeting in a home. 
And he says, some of you, though, you've stopped coming to church. You've stopped neglecting to meet together. Now, the word meet together, it's one word in the Greek, episynagoge, synagogue. It comes from the word for synagogue. And it means to meet together in one place. That's what the word means. It's only used one other time in the New Testament. It's used in uh, 2 Thessalonians 2.1. And in 2 Thessalonians 2.1, it means to meet the Lord together in the air. It means the second coming. It means to be together with Jesus in 2 Thessalonians 2.1. Here it means when the church comes together to worship. Now you say, Pastor, how do we know it means worship? How do you know it means worship? Maybe it could mean other gatherings that the church is doing. Well, here's why. It must mean at least worship. Perhaps more than worship, but it must mean at least worship. And that's because when the early church was founded, there was not all of the programs that the modern church has today. And I love what we have today. I love our student ministry. I love our women's ministry, our music ministry, our men's ministry. Wonderful, wonderful ministries. So many of you are involved in them. Some of you should be involved in them. But when this was written, what did the church do? They came as a ragtag group of people without a lot of power, without a lot of influence, and they gathered to worship. They came together once a week, perhaps even at the very beginning, every single day. And they came to worship God. They probably took communion every week, although we don't know for sure. There's good reason to think, though, from the book of Acts that they took communion every week. They worshiped, they took communion, and they probably had a meal together. That was what they did. And so when the author says, do not neglect meeting together, he means do not neglect coming together to worship God as a church family. Biblical worship, friends, is gathered worship. When people come together. Over and over again, the New Testament says, when you come together, when you come together, when you come together. We talk about the one anothering of the Bible. There is no one in heaven right now. Think about this. There's nobody in heaven who's worshiping Jesus by themselves. Nobody's in isolation. It's no, nobody in heaven. It's just them and Jesus. They are together with all of the saints around the throne and the elders and the angels. And they are worshiping together as the gathered body of Christ in heaven. I want to say a word now to the live streamers. And I think Billy's going to zoom in a little bit. Billy, I'm going to show you my good side here. Okay, come on in. And I want to talk to you live streamers. First of all, I want to say I love you. I love that you're with us. I so praise God for your presence in our midst. And I'm going to say a few words to you now, live streamers. And some of it might hurt a little bit. If you throw something, remember it won't hit me. It'll hit your TV. Okay, just remember that. But I want to give you a word that the Lord has put on my heart. When we started our live stream, and this was in 2020 when COVID hit, 
we started it just like every other church did. We needed it. We couldn't gather. We literally couldn't gather for fear of the health of the congregation. And I would assume that even without COVID, this church would have eventually added a live stream. Many other churches already had a live stream. But we would have been able to do it with intentionality, with purpose, with shepherding the congregation. Instead, we just needed to do it. And so we did it. It was the same reason that I started to do Facebook Live devotionals right when the pandemic hit. I said, I've got to care for this flock, Lord. So we started doing the live stream. And I will say, and I know I'm biased, I think we punch above our weight with the live stream. I think we do such a great live stream. The quality of the music, the quality of the sound that comes through, I'm so grateful for it. But I do need to say this. Perhaps we have unintentionally sent some mixed messages unintentionally because I need to say this, the live stream was never intended to replace committed, consistent, in-person worship for church members who are healthy and in town. I'll say that again. The live stream was never intended to replace committed, consistent, in-person worship for those who are healthy and in town and our members. And by the way, if you are a visitor on the live stream, I've got to say this. It's kind of like you walked into a family meeting right now, okay? You, you just walked into a family meeting. And if you're a visitor, we are so glad you're here. Please know I'm talking to the family right now, but you're welcome. We want you here. We want you a part of this family meeting. But this is really a family meeting. Now, who is the live stream for? The live stream is for those who are sick, out of town, caring for a sick child, caring for a sick parent or a sick family member, or who, for some other reason, God has hindered you, providentially hindered you, from coming to in-person worship. That's who it's for. And I praise God for it. And I'll tell you who else praised God for it. It's my wife, Betsy. Because I can't tell you, and I've, I've been in ministry really from the day I graduated college. I've been in full-time ministry. I can't tell you how many Sundays one of our kids was sick. And guess who stayed home that day? My wife did. She, because I was going to work. And so I am so grateful for the live stream. I'm grateful for what it's done for us. Just recently, our whole family, COVID, blew through our home. Four out of the six of us had it. I was thankful to be on the live stream with all of you. I was thankful to worship the Lord with you. And it may not have been exactly the same, but I was thankful that I had that option. But the live stream, again, was never intended to replace what is happening right here in this room. I want to share just for a few minutes some of the quotes that our members have shared with me over the last two and a half years about the live stream. I've heard a lot of stuff about it. A couple of them I've written down. One of them is, I've heard over and over again, Josh, the live stream is so well done and it really is. And I praise God for the folks that make it possible. But here's another quote that someone said to me one time. They said, Josh, the live stream is like a drug. 
It's addictive. It's hard to quit. I, th- I love the honesty, and I thought to myself, well, there's a lot worse things to be addicted to, okay? Let's just say that. But I love the honesty from that person. That was from a person who was basically telling me I want to come back, but I'm having a hard time coming back. Other people have said to me, I worship better on the live stream. It's just I'm in my living room. I'm in, uh, I feel like I'm able to connect better with the Lord. Heard that from a few people. And others have said, and I've heard this from a number of people, Josh, the church just needs to stop the live stream. That's ultimately what's going to bring people back. Uh, I heard about another church down the road that did it, and it worked. Let me say this. The live stream is not going anywhere. It is absolutely not going anywhere. It is such a great option for those who are sick or traveling, or visitors who are joining us today. I believe in the live stream. Our session believes in the value of the live stream, and we will continue to do it to the absolute best of our ability. But here's the broader question, church, that we have to ask ourselves. You on the live stream today have to ask yourselves, is why do we come to church to begin with? Why do we do this? Why are we here? And that takes us to our second point today. It's why we come to church. And really, we could ask this question. Do we come to church primarily to receive or primarily to give? Now, of course, it's both. We do come to receive and we do come to give. But do we come primarily to receive Or do we come primarily to give? I want to share a part of a podcast I heard recently. It's the podcast of Dr. Russell Moore. He's an influential Christian pastor, speaker, writer. And he, he does something on his podcast where people send in questions. So I want to read to you his answer to a question that one of his listeners submitted to him. Here's, and you'll see it on the screen. A school teacher asked, would it be okay for me to skip church and just watch online? And she added earlier that she was an introvert and that she was drained by the time it was Sunday. She was drained. She was an introvert. And here's Dr. Moore's response. Well, I'm an introvert too. And what people mean by introvert is exactly the way she puts it here. How do you charge up? An extrovert can do things by himself, but they have to charge up by being with people. An introvert charges up alone and then expends that on other people. Some of you right now, you know if you're more of an introvert or more of an extrovert. And that, I think, is really one of the assumptions here, which is that what church ought to be is charging up, when in reality, a great deal of what the gathered body of the church is to be is part of the spending. So it's admonish one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's both in Ephesians and Colossians. And in both passages, it says admonish one another, not God, but one another. Be on mission with one another, Dr. Moore says. A great deal of it is expending that is happening at church. And so I don't think you can do that by listening to a sermon online. I also think that the assumption 
there is that primarily what church is about is receiving information. So if the pastor has the sermon, then he could just email it to you. I hate meetings, and there are so many meetings where I think you could have just emailed me this. I mean, we can all amen that part. If all I need to know is what the Scripture text means, then yeah, I would rather read that on my own or hear that on my own. But that's not what the gathering of the body is. Hearing the Word of God is an address from God. Hearing one another singing is a way of God shaping and forming us through worship. Having the reading of Scripture, having the taking of bread and wine in communion, participating in the baptisms of others, all of those things, they're shaping you and forming you, not just in the way that you can see. It's not how much of the sermon can I remember. It's that week in, week out, being gathered together, And part of what's so mysterious about this is that Ephesians 3 talks about the church as being assigned to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Part of what's happening spiritually and the gathering of the church is the gathering itself. That's so important what he just said. Part of what's happening spiritually in the gathering of the church is the gathering itself. It's a sign of God saying, I am gathering together these people in this place who might not have anything in common except the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit. I will one day gather the flock all together, one flock, one shepherd, as Ezekiel and as John says. These are words of wisdom and truth from Dr. Russell Moore. And you know, if you read our passage, do not neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. What does the author go to? So that you will be filled up? No, he goes right to to one anothering. Stir up and encourage. Build one another up. Challenge one another. It's all focused on the, the church, on one another. We come to church first for God, second for one another, third for ourselves. That's why we come to church. That's the picture we get in Scripture. Yes, we do get recharged. I leave this place spiritually charged up in a way that's different from when I come. But I am here, and of course my heart's not totally pure in this, but to serve others. It's to serve others. And so let me ask us all here in the room and on the live stream to say this is going to be the foundation. I'm going to come together. I'm going to join with the gathered church because there's stuff that happens in this room that we can't even put labels on where the Holy Spirit is working. And there's things that happen when sometimes I just look at a member that I haven't seen for a good while. I just grab hands with a member that I haven't seen and God is doing something even through small things like that. And so the Bible says, sing to one another. What if I don't like the song? Well, sing anyway. Sing as best you can. Is the theology sound? Is it biblical truth? Then sing it out. 
Because your brothers and sisters in the room need to hear you sing. That's why we come to church. Let's apply it to ourselves. Let's apply this word to ourselves. First of all, a story from the Bible. Remember Cain and Abel, the very first murder in the whole Bible? God says to these two sons, these two brothers, bring me a sacrifice. You know the story. Cain's a farmer. Abel's a a shepherd, cares for flocks. Abel brings the firstborn. Cain brings some floppy vegetables, okay? They're past their prime. And God says to Abel, thank you for that. And he says to Cain, you know, you didn't really bring me what you should have. And Abel gets mad at God and his brother. And then you get the first murder ever in the history of the world. Bitter jealousy leads to the first murder. But it's really important we remember this. What's the issue here? Is it that one person brought an animal and a sacrifice and the other person brought vegetables? That's not the issue at all. We know throughout the scriptures, God doesn't really care about the sacrifice itself. It's what the sacrifice represents. It's the heart. Because Abel gave God his heart. Abel said, here, Lord, my life is yours. And Cain said, Lord, I'm going to give you the leftovers. I'm not really going to give you the best. I'm going to give you the stuff in the back of the fridge that's got some stuff growing on it. That's what I'll bring you. I'm going to bring you the leftovers. And God in his grace says to to Cain, he says, look, if you just give me your heart, he says, sin is crouching at your door, but if you'll just give me your heart, you'll be accepted. It's a God of grace all the way back there. Cain gives in to his anger. Here's my question for all of us this morning. Will we give God our best? Will we give God our best? That's what he wants for us, from us. Why, pastor? Is it so we earn his love? You know that's not what we preach here. Of course it's not to earn his love. It's all because of what Jesus has done that we have a relationship with God. It's a response to the God who's given us his best. The God who's given us the life of his very son. It's a response Lord, you gave me your best. I'm going to give you my best. Yes, I'm going to sin. Yes, I'm going to fall short. Yes, I'm a work in project and in progress, but I'm going to give you my best because that's what you deserve. And because I love you, not even close to how much you love me, but I love you. Let me share a word, a few words now. Let me share a word to the men in the room. And on the live stream. And I don't talk to individual groups very often. Hardly ever from this pulpit. But I want to speak to men for a moment. Men, God has called you to be the spiritual leader in your household. I know that's out of step with our culture. But God, if you read the scriptures, it is so clear. God is saying to men, you are to be the leader in the, leaders in the home and leaders in the church. What about uh, the president of the United States, Josh? I am so happy if a woman, I hope it happens soon, we have a female president. It's in the home and in the church. God has said, men, step up. Be the leaders. Men, would you be the leaders in your homes? Would you say to your wife, yes, I fail so often as a spiritual leader. And this is confessions right now for me. But honey, we are going to go to church. 
because we need to make this commitment to God. A word to parents. Parents, you are the primary disciplers of your kids. And we know this is true, friends. So much of what we believe is caught, not taught. Parents, grandparents, guardians, what's our spiritual vision for our children? What's our spiritual vision? Is it that our children would grow up and be a committed member of a church to live a life for others? Yes, we want them to become responsible, hardworking, successful adults. Of course we want that. But what about our spiritual vision for our children? And we know that taking them to church, of course, that doesn't automatically do it. That's why we got to live on our knees but we need to remember Proverbs 22, 6, which says, raise up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you say, well, what about children who walk away? And we need to remember Proverbs 22, 6 is a principle, not a promise. This is the normal way that God works. Yes, there's prodigals sometimes, and that's a different sermon, but parents, we are called to raise up our kids to know Jesus. Do you know, parents, um, not only do we have kids' church, but every week, I love this, every week there are two kids' bulletins available for parents, those of you with kids, to pick up. One of them is for ages three plus, the other one is for ages seven plus, and, and this is from the PCA, actually. The PCA does this on every passage of the Bible, and the kids get to do puzzles and word games and so forth that connect to the passages that we're preaching through. Awesome resource, parents. But we are a church that wants to teach children how to worship because we are committed to raising up the next generation to do exactly what so many of our parents did for us. Did your parents bring you to church every week? Did they, come, did they say to you, we're going to church this week? I know mine did. And that didn't automatically do it. The grace of God had to do it but you know, parents, so often it's like this. It's like if God is the waterfall, we got to build the altar and put it under the waterfall and trust that God's going to bring it down. That's our calling. And finally, a word to all of us. I would challenge the membership of Northeast Presbyterian Church to make this commitment. Unless I am sick, out of town, or facing some other hardship that God knows about, I will commit to being with God's people on God's house, on God's day in God's house. I will commit to making in-person worship my default worship mode. If you're at the beach, you're at the beach. I kind of wish I was there. If you're in the mountains, you're in the mountains. If you're on vacation, you're on vacation. And I love that you can still join us on the live stream. But if you're healthy and you're in town and you're not caring for a sick family member, then say, I'm going to make the commitment to be here. Amen? Amen? Make that commitment, church. And maybe you feel a little bit like, you know, it's time to recommit to Jesus. Do you know how many churches have closed because of COVID? Just Google that. You will be astounded at how many churches don't even exist now from when this pandemic started. And I want to say to this flock, this is an opportunity. COVID is not just a horrible thing, but God is able to bring 
good things out of horrible things. And this, for some, can be an opportunity to say, Lord, I haven't always been giving you my best, but I want to give you my best from this moment on. And here's the arms of God. It's come on, come on. Wait, God, don't I have to do penance? Don't I have to do five years worth of good works? Nope, just come on back. Come into my loving arms. Receive, just like the prodigal. Whether you've known Jesus your whole life or whether you met him three years ago, come back into my arms. Receive my love. Share life together with that church you committed to when you took those membership vows. And make it your commitment. Beloved, I say it out of love for you as your pastor, one of your pastors. And I say it out of conviction of what the scriptures say. Let us not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But when we are healthy and we are in town, let us say, I am going to be in this place to worship the God that has saved me and loves me and with whom I will be with forever in heaven. Let us pray. Lord God, we love you only because you first loved us. Lord, this passage, like every passage, hits every one of us. It hits me. And we pray, Lord God, that you would use it to bring our hearts more fully into your presence, that we would give you our best because you have given us Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.